0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome one and
1: welcome all. It is Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. It is 8.01 p.m. Central Standard Time. One of us made us late i will name who it was tony catalina uh we are live on the blog and the boys youtube channel the blog and the boys twitch channel if you are not here live you can always catch this uh this episode the blog and the boys roundtable. that is at your own convenience make sure to subscribe uh, to our channel you can also listen to the show at your own convenience if you're an audio person only on the blog on the voice podcast network subscribe there as well leave a rating a right, review if you do you will hear these voices all throughout the week all three gentlemen here tonight actually you can hear in the earlier parts of the week uh, my name is RJ Ochoa and we'll go in clockwise order this is always the order of arrival so Brandon Clements the icebreaker himself you are in our pole position tonight how are you feeling icebreaker
2: I'm doing good. I guess I broke the ice by getting here first. It's usually we were saying before the show. I'm usually the one that gets here just before the uh, the bell rings. So usually I'm in Tony Catalina's position, but uh, it looks like we kind of switched roles this week. And then you know Hallman kind of slid in in second. So you know I'm I'm feeling okay. It's a it's a it was a bye week for not only the Dallas Cowboys but my uh, Syracuse Orange. So yeah. getting re- getting ready uh, for a nice uh, week of football. So Thursday for me is Syracuse football, and then obviously the game against the Rams this coming weekend.
1: Um, did not know you like Syracuse. First time hearing of this. Um, I hear their basketball team sucks, but, you know, we can talk oh, about ee. that uh, in March. Uh, David Halman, you are here with a visual assault. Um, look, I just <laughs> want to be honest, Halman, sports are dumb. Like, there's no reason for us to put any of our hopes or wants or wishes uh, behind sports. They really don't matter. Uh, the consequences, the results, um, you know, baseball is is great. But, I mean, is it really the whole world, honestly? No.
3: Yeah, uh, honestly, I couldn't have put it better myself, and that's that's really my the, the, the approach I've taken with the Rangers all year. After they got off to a hot start, I was like, they're going to find a way to blow it. And, and then they kind of did with, with how they blew the division, but now they're in the World Series. Now it's time for me to get my hopes up and be a little bit distracted from the Cowboys, only for them to, I'm sure, inevitably blow it in the World Series, just like they did the last time they were there, which was also the last time I really bragged about being a Rangers fan.
1: That made me feel a little bit better, actually. Uh, so thanks, Halman. I really do appreciate that. Uh, Tony Catalina, uh, I am salty, um, as Ajit notes in the comment section. Um, Tony, has a, a sports team that you root for ever won a title in your lifetime? Like one of uh, the one of the ones you assign your primary emotions to? I Besides, mean, I guess the Red Sox would be the only one. I don't. I don't know why that went over my head before. I yeah,
4: asked. I mean the Red Sox, but I mean I was alive when the Cowboys had won. I mean I was a young kid. Oh, yeah. But, but, you know. yeah. Nothing like I have a whole plan mapped out when the Cowboys win the Super Bowl and the things that I want to do now, I couldn't do 28 years ago. So if you get my drift,
1: I guess that's um, the question I'm sort of asking, Tony, like you haven't been 21 when your team won a title. That's a different kind of, you know, different kind of ballpark. No pun intended.
4: Yeah. 2018. I went to the Red Sox uh, uh, World Series parade and that was uh, that was a blur. Okay. Well,
1: good for you. Halman. you picked up five points for that sweet backdrop. Um, I will say um, I'm very grateful that this is at least over. This was a very awkward uh, week and a half for me. Uh, but thankfully, it is now in the rear view mirror. Uh, Michael has wished me a happy belated birthday. The Astros did win on my birthday. So at least I had that day uh, before everything fell apart. But um, it kind of is what it is. Uh, so Halman's off to a five-point lead. In case you're new around here, the round table is a competition. Points will be awarded throughout the night both from me and from the crowd, so make sure to comment who you want to give points to. Tony, you haven't been here in a while, um, and so do you feel like that discredits the roundtables that have been won? Are there asterisks um, that you would assign?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some... Uh, they weren't playing with the A game here, and and to be completely honest, to, to, to get the you know, a, a peek behind the curtain. The only reason why I hadn't been on here is people have just been quicker than me to sign up. So, you know, the fact that I haven't been here means there's a lot of eager people that wanted to be on there. So it's a good thing.
1: I thought you weren't here a few weeks ago because it was your wife's birthday. I paid for to birthdays excuse. too. So happy yeah. elated birthday to Rachel uh, from all of us at Blogging the Boys. Uh, hopefully Tony, not even hopefully, I know Tony delivered on the gift, right? How Tony would not deliver on a birthday gift for the wife?
3: Yeah, it, it had to be like one of the, the top tier gifts and like probably right on the top of the list of best
1: gift ideas out there.
4: Mm. Okay. She's easy. She's easy. <laughs>
1: um it sounds like it was a success. All right, let's get to tonight's topic. Um, let's see here. By the way, Kevin notes that Tony is saying everyone has been scared. So Halman, Brandon, um, if you win tonight, it is real. It is authentic, I think, is what Tony is saying as he takes a sip of I'm mean, gonna guess Cope Zero. Is that what that is, Tony? You're <laughs> right. That's a talent that I have, guys. All right, just so you know, to be able to identify uh, carbonated beverages from afar. Uh, Brandon, let's start with you. You are in the first spot. Uh, General kind of template here tonight. You mentioned it, the Cowboys coming out of their bye. Uh, They return on Sunday afternoon, a nice noon central kickoff. Everybody gets to go to bed early on Sunday. Um, They're four and two, but kind of a weak four and two. A four and two that we weren't super proud of this time um, a week ago coming off of Monday Night Football. So that being said, we'll go around the horn here. Uh, Brandon, what do you want to see from the Cowboys coming out of the bye? It can be anything you want, anything under the sun.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, a few things on my list, but I think the first thing that I, I thought of when the, the Rams were, in, you know, the Rams matchup was heading uh, coming up here, it's the, the makeshift running back room of the L.A. Rams right now with Kyron Williams, uh, he's on IR. So right now you had a, a Daryl Henderson, you know, he wasn't even like for fantasy football purposes, he wasn't fantasy relevant until this past week. And then you also have Royce Freeman. You have, uh, I believe it's uh, Zach Evans as well. I think there he was a, a day three pick, which clearly they don't trust him because they brought two guys off the street essentially to to uh, to you know start in the, on the roster. So um, for me, the Cowboys' defense, you know, this is a good. This will be a good thing for them. It'll be a kind of a, I think, a, a hopefully a catalyst for for the run defense because the run defense has been you know not you know not that great this season. So if the Cowboys cannot dominate, uh, you know, against the run, against this makeshift running back room, that's some, that's going to be very concerning for me. So I think this should be a catalyst this weekend for the defense uh, to get get on track, be more consistent against the run, and then hopefully stay, you know, stay consistent the rest
1: of the year. So your want, your primary want, has nothing to do with the offense. I think that's where everybody's going to go. You're more focused on the run defense. That's that's the that's your number one qualm right now, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's one of many. I mean there's there's a mul- there's a mul- multitude of, of different options. Actually, my first two were actually defensive, just to, to just to kind of uh, peek behind the curtain here. But yeah, I mean there's there's multiple you know multiple things I'd like to see. But you know for me, I want I want them to stop the run a lot better. That's that it, it starts for me up front on defense. And I think you know if they can if they can you know kind of you know fire on all cylinders and, and light up the LA Rams defense, it'll give them you know some hopefully some good confidence going forward against the Eagles matchup uh, after that.
1: Well, keep the curtain closed. You offered a peek, but this is a competition. All right. We, you know, rooting for everybody independently uh, and equally. So, you know, make sure you hold all the cards close to the vest. Halman uh, Kevin says, I would love us to figure out how to run the ball effectively because Pard isn't getting it done in the run game. So the kind of exact opposite uh, in some ways of what Brandon said, is that where you were going to go your number one wish um, if the genie showed up and asked what you wanted from the Cowboys?
3: Yeah, that's definitely my number one wish is getting the run game going on offense um, I, there, you know, there's definitely, if you have a whole list somewhere on there, the run defense is on there, but I think at the top of the list has to be the run game. <clears throat> the Cowboys have just been like comically bad at running the ball the last couple of weeks. And, and it's been like, it, it's been everything that has contributed to it. Like some of it is the scheme. They're just, they're, they're just not running it effectively. Some of it is the offensive linemen are just getting blown off the line. Some of it is Tony Pollard is not playing as explosive as he has in the past, um some of that might be that he's he's still adjusting to be being the number one the workhorse. some of it also surely is just still a little bit of rust coming off that injury um but in general they have not run the ball well i think they're they're 25th in rushing dvoa they're 15th in uh, epa per carry um they're right now one thing that i like about the offense is that they're throwing it on early downs at a pretty high rate they're 11th in that in that number but looking at early down EPA per play they're 11th in uh, on early down passes when they run the ball on first and second down they're dead last in EPA per rush so like when they run the ball early it's just a train wreck when they run the ball pretty much anywhere it's not been good and um you know I, I think Dak Prescott has been kind of up and down but he overall has been positive this year but You got to have a run game that's not going to be a liability if this offense is going to be a successful unit that can carry them. And that's like going into the bye. That's perfect time to figure out this issue. That's, to me, the number one issue.
1: Tony, we'll come to your uh, number one want in just a moment. But I want to start with you on this question because the idea of Tony Pollard not living up to – if you want to call it expectation, has been tossed around. Um, Kevin just gave Howman five points for this particular subject. So true or false? We'll go around, like I said. um, Tony Part has been the most disappointing player on offense so far this season. If your answer is false, I would like you to give us who has been the most disappointing player. And this can be relative to expectation. So you can say, look, I expected this dude to be, you know, Super Saiyan freak God mode, and he isn't. So that's the most disappointing thing in my mind. But we are talking offensive side of the ball exclusively. Tony Catalina.
4: Yeah, I'm going to say it's false. And for me, it's because it's a guy who's been getting a lot of heat. I tried to defend him a little bit, but, you know, the, the confidence around him is waning a little bit for me, and it's and it's Michael Gallup, right? I, I think if you look at what he's asked to do in a nutshell, I don't think anybody expected like a 1,000 yards receiving or this big, massive impact. But what we had heard coming into camp was, you know, the mental side of it is done. I'm physically better. Like everything seems to be clicking into, into him having a bigger impact. And, you know, for, you know, the first start of the season, I was like, Oh my God, it doesn't look good. And then it was like, okay, here, here's against Arizona and it looked better against the Patriots. And then, you know, you look at it against the chargers and you're like, Oh man, like he's caught like one ball on like nine targets. Then you start wondering, you know, Dak's throwing the ball to him too much and it's just not working. And so for me, it's, uh, you know Tony Pollard hasn't been exactly what we needed from him, but for me, relative to expectation, it's got to be Michael Gallup.
1: Okay, Brandon. Um, Tony Pollard, Michael Gallup, are either of those your answers for most disappointing player on offense so far?
2: Uh, yeah, Tony Pollard to me is is the most disappointing. I think for a guy who you know we're all expecting to be the lead back, the you know the guy who's supposed to be explosive in the running game, he hasn't been explosive in the running game. He's running he's averaging 3.9 yards a carry. I mean, this running attack is ranked uh, per, uh, a yard per average, actually at 3.9 per carry at 21st out of 32 teams. So for me, like it, it just kind of, you know, for the million, the $10 million that we signed him for on that, on that franchise tag, I don't think we're getting a good return on investment. He's, he's doing what I expected him to do out of the pass game, because if you look at the stats, he, you know, he is one of our better receivers, uh, you know, reception wise and and, stat- and yardage wise. So, you know, from that perspective, that's, that's been Tony power. He played, he's a receiver in college. He played receiver and running back at Memphis. So that's kind of his, that's kind of his MO. That's kind of his game. And, you know, this to me, I feel like, I feel like he's not, he, he's not a true lead back. I just, that's just where I'm at with him. I think he's a heck of a player. I think he's super talented, but I think the Cowboys, the Cowboys paying him $10 million for this type of production so far i don't think the return on the investment has been you know expected and you know you know being 10 million dollars that that puts him in the top tier of salaries for running backs in the league uh, on an average salary basis so for me to to put up 3.9 yards per carry and 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 just to me i i think part of it is the injury as well i don't think he's has been as explosive as he he was prior to the injury so that could play a factor in in that in that you know situation with pollard but for me that's 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 the big issue i i I, I feel like the Cowboys are missing an element uh, with this running game, and especially which I'm sure there's going to be a few people talking about the red zone uh, situation coming up here tonight. And I think a guy like Tony Pollard, he's good between the 20s. So like he, you know, he's good. He's good on that part of the field. But once you get in the red zone, I just, you know, there. I mean, it could be a combination of Tony Pollard. Just, you know, he's. I don't think he's a, a ground and pound type running back. I think he's more of elusive. He wants, you know, get him in space and let him go kind of a back which by design, Mike McCarthy could design plays a little bit better for him, I feel like, and use his skill set a little bit better instead of just jamming it right up the middle every time. I think that's not really his game. So I think it kind of, it's a combination of things. And, and with Tony Pollard, it's, I, I just feel like we're missing that. We, we have the lightning because Tony Pollard, although he's not as elusive, you know, as electric as he has been, he's still the lightning on this team. I think we're missing an element of the thunder, which is why, you know, a lot of our colleagues at Blogging the Boys, you know, have, have mentioned some names like, uh, like James Connor and, uh, you know, the, the big one, Derek Henry, but I'm not going down that, that, that rabbit hole. But, you know, to that point, I can see why some folks, you know, around Cowboys Nation are, are wanting that or climbing for it because they, they need it. They need that power back. And, and Tony Power, to, to me as, as a whole, hasn't lived up to the expectations.
1: So um, no negative points tonight. I'm not going to assign them. I'm fine that people want to give them out. But Tony, Kevin did take five away from you. So I've spared you uh, for noting uh, Tony Pollard's franchise tag money that he's getting paid. Um, And so Kevin did then give five points to Brandon for saying that people didn't want to eat crow on Tony Pollard not being a lead back. You did raise your hand before Howman gets to go, Tony.
4: Yeah, I just I think there's a little bit of revisionist history. It's not Brandon. I see some of the comments and the way people are talking about Tony Pollard. Like the Cowboys had an option of Ezekiel Elliott wasn't going to be around for the number that he was there or, you know, have nobody back. Right. So I think the Tony Pollard franchise tag is a placeholder. I don't think there's any much long term future there. I think they had minimal conversations about him being the back of the future like this was just the cost of doing business with losing zeke off the off the books and literally guys like rico dial malik davis deuce Vaughn. like they could swing it at the position because the allocated resources there wasn't as high so i think people see the number get hung up on the number and expect him to be like christian McCaffrey or some all-world talent like he's coming off an injury he's going to be productive he does i mean he was you know a slightly better thrown ball away from making a massive impact on sunday night or monday night wow so dak sucks
1: now interesting yeah
4: right exactly (laughs) so you know don't get that gone you know but so honestly i think yeah relative to money it hasn't been great but people acting like this is some long-term investment there's a real chance that tony pollard will not be here next year and i think people forgot that
1: Hellman Casey says false Steele or Michael Gallup are more disappointing. So that was kind of Tony's answer. So the time has come, I guess, to kind of break the tie. If you're going to lean one way or the other, maybe you are going to go Terrence Steele, and there. We'd have a three-way tie.
3: I'm actually going to go a, a different direction, but not with Terrence Steele. Although I did consider him. I, I think for me, the, the biggest disappointment relative to the expectations has been Brandon cooks. Cause this was someone that like when he was traded, we were all saying like, this is exactly what they need. He's he's the savvy veteran. He catches everything. All he does is get 1,000 yards with, with, like, every single team he's ever played for. And he's that deep threat. He's going to take the top off of a defense. And he's come in and, like, you know, you can, you can blame some of it on the offense and they haven't taken a whole lot of deep shots. But even when they have, it hasn't really worked out. And, and, I mean, the 49ers were still able to just sit on all those underneath throws and they were able to pick off passes because there was no deep threat. Brandon Cooks didn't change that. And I mean, you can debate how much of that is necessarily on him versus the scheme. But again, relative to the expectations, like he was when when they traded for him, he was supposed to be the guy that fixed their biggest problem on offense last year. And it hasn't happened yet. And I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. I'm not saying like I'm over Brandon Cooks. I'm still holding out hope. And he's definitely had some good plays, but it hasn't been what we thought we were getting when the trade happened um, so like, you know, Michael Gallup has had some rough games, but I mean, I, I really didn't, I didn't have, you know, huge expectations for him coming into this. He he kind of entered as like the wide receiver three. I think for that, he's more or less played up to a wide receiver three level. Um, and then with Tony Pollard, like what Tony was saying, um, you know, as, as far as the money goes, you're really not spending any more on the running back position than you were last year. And again, they're not committed long term to him. So if they get to the end of the year and Pollard hasn't really improved that much, they're not in a tight spot like they, they can move on with the running back position uh, and, and go a different direction. So I'm not really like so hung up on the money, although he has been playing poorly and you want to see better. But I think just relative to what I was hoping for, Brandon Cooks is, is the one that has the largest gap between the expectations and what he's put up so far.
1: Um, that was a really well thought out answer. Um, now, I think all of your answers, it, it wouldn't be fair to just pin it on Michael Gallup or Tony Pollard or Brandon Cooks. There are obviously a lot of variables and factors involved. Um, so to that point, Kevin offers on Brandon Cooks. I'm um, sorry, that was AJ taking two points away from Hammond. Remember, no negative points tonight. Good vibes, positive vibes only. Uh, but Kevin says Cooks's lack of production is more of an indictment on McCarthy's offense. Why add a guy like Cooks if you're never going to take a deep shot? By the way, I'm just waiting for the regular season to end um, and to fire off the tweet about how Brandon Cooks had a thousand yards like nine years in a row and then shut up to the Cowboys and didn't do it. So that will be really funny and really depressing. Uh, but still, it will uh, do numbers. And that's really you know, why we all lift all them weights. Uh, by the way, Andrew uh, wants to know about my shirt. Uh, I bought this shirt from Amage, our good friends. Um, so it's a good one. This is the best sitcom of all time, even though Seinfeld's pretty good. Um, so we're doing something here tonight. Uh, that is a little bit different. I didn't tell any of you about this because um, like a different show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Sometimes we make up the rules as we go along. Uh, So I'm going to hand out winners to each round um, and there will be bonus points associated with them. They may not all be the same. So the winner of this round was Talman. So Talman, you got 10 bonus points. I should say points, not point. Uh, That's my bad there. But again, the points do not matter ultimately. But congratulations to you. Um, Tony, I think you had the worst answer. I think it was a good case. But um I don't know that anybody had legitimate expectations of Michael Gallup. Again, I, I think that it's fair to be disappointed in him, but like was anybody really like counting on him? We were really counting on Brandon Cooks to a great degree.
4: Well, the, the conversation is like we the expectation was that he was going to be a, a solid to good wide receiver 3 who got over the hurdle. Now we see people talking about Jalen Tolbert who are hyped up over, you know, a couple of training camp passes and some, you know, preseason work and wow, and, now and,
1: Tolbert sucks. Jeez, <laughs> Tony.
4: <laughs> but it's just like the narrative switched to like Gallup is going to evolve to no. Now nah, we need Tolbert and cut out Gallup. And it's just like, yeah, I, I I even alluded to the fact that like the expectations were tempered, but like to that tempered expectation, he's definitely not hit the mark there. Even at that point,
1: I think Gallup's target numbers against the chargers did him no favors with the fan yes, base. And that, that has, that's not at all Michael Gallup's fault, but um, you know, he's just kind of the, the like direction that people can point their anger. He's sort of the, like, Manifestation of people's frustration with Mike McCarthy. Uh, again, not fair. Uh, but Howman, congratulations to you. A total of our points so far, Howman's out to a 25 point lead. He has lapped you to Tony and Brandon. He has more than double your amount of points. How does that make you feel, Brandon? that's
2: eh, okay. Uh, it's a fair point. Halman uh, made a uh, made a good point. I, I still like my point better, but it's okay.
1: The word we were looking for was embarrassed in terms of how it made you feel. Um, so that just to be very clear, uh, Tony, um, this means that you have to answer the original question. What do you want to see from the Cowboys coming out of the bye?
4: Yeah, so I'm glad we were talking about Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup because the very first bullet point I put was generally just more involvement from other pass catchers, whether it be Jake Ferguson, Brandon Cooks. Like, we know what C. Lamb can do. We know he's capable of seven catches, 117 yards. He's a guy that they should be manufacturing touches for. But, like, there just hasn't been enough from everybody else. Like, you know, Hammond made a good point, and we had talked about, you know, the 49ers only touched down with Turpin. We need more of that, right? Where where are these other guys that can step up? I do want to see more Jalen Tolbert. I, I want to see more productive work from Michael Gallup. I don't need him leading targets and only catching one of them. But where is everybody else? You know, Schoonmaker dropped one over the middle, you know, for a touchdown and it's like he forgot he was forgotten about. You know, Jake Ferguson, who I've been a leader of the band club, you know, the, the fan club there, and he just really uh, has kind of been MIA a little bit in. Um, oh,
1: Tony, now now, Brandon's coming for your corner. You can have.
4: have to it. Share. Did, he, did he play in Syracuse? <laughs> no,
1: no, no, he did not play. In Syracuse.
2: <laughs> but come on, I, I've been a big fan of Jake Ferguson. I've been calling him the number one tight end all offseason. All
1: all like, who who, who he was challenging playing. for the number one tight end throw? Like, he, he I, yeah. again, I don't take anything from Jake Ferguson, but it, I mean, I, there I wasn't like, a lot of I, competition. Yeah.
4: No, yeah. So overall, you know, I just think that there has to be more pass catches. And and I think part of that is Mike McCarthy in the play calling. They need to stretch the field a little bit more. They need to, you know, be able to kind of use Brandon Cooks for what they brought him here for. Like I, four catches for 48 yards and a touchdown shouldn't be like Brandon Cooks has arrived. You know what I mean? That should be like the the floor. So I, I just overall it needs to be better work in the passing game.
1: Um, Tony, I wanted to get your comment or your thoughts on a comment that we um got at the beginning of the stream. This is a a quick deviation, but Casey said, Why was Tony so late? Was he at a Matt Patricia lookalike contest? (laughs) Um, have have you ever heard this before?
4: I have, and I've actually met met Matt Patricia and somebody alluded to it. So yeah. (laughs) Do you see it yourself? I mean, I could see the beard, but like, I mean, that's about it. I don't have a pencil in my ear. But you
3: gotta get the pencil now. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Maybe Halloween.
2: Fun fact about Matt Patricia, he's actually a uh, Central New Yorker, just just putting
3: it out there. Oh, I thought for sure you were going to say you went to <laughs> Seattle. Yeah, <it>. uh, Brandon, <laughs> you
1: can't just, like, lay claim to Central New York. Like, that's way too big of an area. Like, that would be, like, fun fact about Matt Patricia, he's an American. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, let's just, you know, let's, you know. RJ's we'll, 400 we'll,
4: miles from Austin, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to let you have
1: Syracuse, but, you know, let's just, you know, let's let's calm down a little bit. Um. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you, Tony. Um, I don't know that Jake Ferguson has been disappointing in terms of performance, but um, all these things, all these issues kind of point at Mike McCarthy, which is the elephant in the room. Um, the Texas coast West. Coast, I hate saying the name Texas coast. It feels like such a lame joke, but um, everything about the offense has been really piss poor. Um, and so like all of you, I well, not all of you, Brandon, your fo- your first focus was defense, but I really feel like if the Cowboys don't show up offensively on Sunday against the Rams, Hellman, that there is going to be a bit of panic starting to set in, especially with a matchup in Philadelphia looming next week.
3: I mean, yeah, but there, like, there's always something to panic about when you're a Cowboys fan. Like, There's always a reason to be like, oh my God, the sky is falling. So, I mean, some of that you, you just kind of chalk up to. That's, that's just the way the world goes mm-hmm. in Cowboys land. But, um, I mean... It can't be overstated, though, that the Rams do have a good defense. They still have a guy named Aaron Donald. Uh, Raheem Morris, their defensive coordinator, he's been doing a pretty good job this year with not a whole lot of talent outside of Aaron Donald, and he's really schemed up a whole lot of things to make quarterbacks kind of think just a little bit extra longer in the pocket back there while Aaron Donald does his thing. So, you know, I'm I'm not saying, like, the Cowboys don't have a shot to move the ball here, um, but it's also not like – this isn't this isn't the Cardinals where when you can't move the ball against them, that's a problem. Granted, you know, they also had the excuse of all the injuries on the offensive line. But this this is definitely um maybe not so much where I need to see them like just absolutely tear up the field, but I do want to see them uh with, with some early signs of solutions to their problems that they had going into the bye, because they had this extra week to kind of go through the film. And this is the first real opportunity for Mike McCarthy since taking over play calling to look at well, here's what's been working. Here's what hasn't. Here's what we haven't done enough of, and I want to see, like we talked about with Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, like get some more deep shots going, get guys more involved. I want Luke Schoonmaker to get more involved. I want Jake Ferguson to get more involved. He's had a couple games where they've targeted him a lot, and then there's other games where, like, you hardly even remember he's playing, and like you know, with with, with the with the West Coast principles that they've uh, implemented into this offense, like the tight end position, especially with Ferguson, with Schoonmaker and his ability after the catch, like those are guys that you can really rely on, get them the ball and and just let them work after the catch. And they really haven't involved the tight end position that much. Like these are some areas where I want to see growth improvement and it doesn't necessarily need to be a 40 burger, but I want to see something that looks different from what we've seen the first six weeks to show that, they did do some self-scouting in the bye week and they did identify some areas where they need to do a little bit better.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um, Good job, Halman. That wasn't a 10-point bonus question, but still a good job nonetheless. Um, Okay, Um, before we go back around, I do want to say something. I've sort of started to materialize, and I know Chris wrote about this this week at the site. Uh, I've started to land on the take that the next four weeks are low-key critical um, to the season for the Cowboys. Um, So this is, I guess... I don't know how I could define the thing that I want to see from the Cowboys, but um they have to start stacking these easy wins. It, I know it feels like they've lost like 100 easy wins. It was really just the Cardinals game at this point in time. Um, But their next four games, in case anybody's unaware, they've got the Rams on Sunday, and they're in Philadelphia. they got the Giants at home, who they blasted in week one, and then they visit the winless Panthers. They have to take three of these, in my mind. Like If they're going to be challenging for the NFC East challenging for the one seed who knows like those things Brandon they have to get to this is this leads us up to Thanksgiving Day they have to get to Thanksgiving at the very least at seven and three
2: absolutely I think this is it is a it is a crucial stretch before Thanksgiving I do think they do get three out of four I, I feel like they can get all four out of four I said that I said that. I think that last week I do think even with uh, Philadelphia being being you know as good as they have been you know there's you know Hurts has shown you know, showing some things where he, you know, he's not the MVP or MVP runner up from last year, you know, that watching that Dolphins game, watching the previous few weeks, you know, he's looked a little shaky. I've seen some, uh, some mistakes on his end, which I think a Cowboys defense who was very opportunistic and, in those big blowouts that the Cowboys have had earlier this year, you know, the defense was the catalyst behind it. So I feel like Hertz is in a spot where I think he can, you know, he he can almost be our catalyst to uh, give a, give a few turnovers to the Cowboys defense. So I, I do think, I do think you know the Carolina Panthers for some reason. It's one of those games for me. I don't know why, but it's you know every year there's always a, a game where they slip up. You know, obviously we saw the Cardinals, but like for some reason that they can't sleep on the Panthers. I really don't think they can sleep on the Panthers. But overall, I do think they they're going to get three out of four easily. I think here, but I, I'm pretty confident they're going to get all four.
1: Tony. This isn't the most difficult four game stretch of the season for the Cowboys, but that's why it's so important. Um, After this, they have two Thursday games, Thanksgiving against Washington and the Seahawks on Thursday Night Football. But after that, they have the Eagles at home, and then they have at Buffalo, at Miami, and Detroit on a Saturday. So they have to get there with room for error, which, again, is what exacerbates the issue with regards to the upcoming games. I mean, to Brandon's point, you kind of got to win all of them to buy yourself enough room for error to make up for the loss in Arizona.
4: Yeah, I mean any any way you cut it the end of the season is going to be a really tough stretch here. And that why that's why I mean we're talking about have to get 3 out of 4 and I agree with that sentiment. But that makes this Rams game super important to me because I think this is a, a losable football game, right? Like Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup. There's some guys there. Matthew Stafford can play winning football. Like you, um, Howman talked about Raheem Morris, like Aaron Donald. This is a team coming out of the bye. If they're flat, they could get beat by. And then then you go into Philadelphia in a really tough situation. And now in the stretch that we're supposed to win three out of four, is a real chance you can go zero and two. So I think you got to worry about this first one. You got to get this Rams one done. Done. And then I think at that point three and four becomes a very realistic, maybe more than likely possible situation. With saying, you know what, go go get go beat the Eagles, right? A highly beatable team, and we can get out of here four and zero. But it has to start
0: with this week. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team.
1: if the Cowboys win their next two games, they're in first place in the NFC East. And uh, I mentioned this on the NFC East mixtape, which will come out tomorrow. Um, It's possible right now the Phillies are up two to one in the top of the fifth inning. It's possible next Sunday's game follows a Rangers Phillies World Series, which uh, would just be incredible theater. Uh, honestly to watch and not that, you know, Dallas reclaiming first place in the division would have the same significance as winning the world series, but um, it would go a long way. I think in the overall vibes of discussion, as we get closer and closer to the holiday season.
3: I mean, it honestly might mean more to the fans. I feel like there's more like (laughs) passion behind the Cowboys. You know, everybody's high on the Rangers right now, but like Cowboys beat the Eagles. That's, that's like a, a holiday in Dallas. They like, they close all the streets and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you if you can if you can beat the Rams, which I think we're all in agreement, like they're not a good team, but they're also not a team that you can overlook. So like beating them, you know, you're you're not going to start hanging a banner after you beat the Rams, but it does mean something that you can go ahead and win that game, especially after the 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 embarrassment they had against the Cardinals, where they let that one slip away. Um, if you can do that, and then you can go into Philly and you can get a win, take first place in the division, like that would be huge, especially because the Giants they're probably going to be going back to Daniel Jones and they're not a good football team. When Daniel Jones is playing, they should stick with Tyrod Taylor, but I'd be happy if they don't. And then the Panthers have been so much worse than I had anticipated that they were going to be this year. Um, so that that's that, the second half of that four game stretch is definitely more winnable. So I, I agree. Like if, if they're able to take those first two, then barring one of those other, like just, you know, fumbling the game kind of situations, that should be a really good stretch for
1: them. Tony, to your point about it being a losable game, I think it's easier to see this Rams game being a loss than it is any of the like likely losses being a win. Right. Like it's it's more likely that the Cowboys drop the Rams game that that, then that they surprise the Bills or surprise the Dolphins or at this point surprise the Lions. I I wrote something about you know how many times the Cowboys will be favored across the rest of the season. They might be favored against the Lions, maybe like a one two point spread. I'm um, not that that really matters, but um, the tough times are coming. That's why you got to lock these up. And again, that's why those, those losses, you don't want more Cardinals games piling up to where you're like, you're living with regret.
4: Yeah. I mean, you get to a point where, like you said, you're going to play some really good competition at the end of the year. And obviously any football team can beat you. We've seen that over the last few weeks and the Cowboys have fell victim to that themselves. But you start looking at these games and talk about highly winnable matchups. And then you get into precious situations where going into buffalo i mean brandon knows upstate new york in the cold in december central new york York. yeah (laughs) essentially well
1: well, buffalo's in western new york technically
2: right
4: any part of new york in december is not going to be a fun weather game and so like there are elements involved there's good teams involved and it's it's just you, you gotta handle your business right the handle the rams first we'll talk about the next one but it all starts this week like i said
1: all right, let's um let's go around one more time um, and kind of jump off in tangents as we do. A quick update on the score. Brandon, you have 42 points, Halman 48. Tony, you have jumped out to the lead, but you're flexing. I don't like that, Tony. I don't like taking an early victory lap. You do have a lead right now, but we'll see if uh, if that penalizes you down the road. I have no say over whether or not that ultimately does happen. Uh, Brandon, let's go back to you. What do you want to see from the Cowboys coming out of the bye? So We've talked about defense. We've talked about, you know, Juicing up the running game. We've talked about involving more pass catchers. Give us something new here, please.
2: Yeah. So uh, on my list is to get the ball in the hands of, of Ceedee Lamb more. I, I know. I know uh, Tony said earlier to you know kind of spread the ball out. Holman, same thing. Spread the ball out. But I'm sitting here looking at the stats here, and you know Dak completes 81 percent of his passes to Ceedee Lamb, and right now Ceedee Lamb ranks 43rd. I know there's one less game in there because of the bye week, but he's 43rd in the league in, in, in targets. And he's the number one receiver on the Cowboys and arguably one of the best receivers in the game. That, to me, is a little uh, – I think that's a little criminal. And then speaking you know, speaking of targets, this week's uh, opponent uh, features a guy named Nakua, uh, uh, Nakua uh, Puka, Puka Nakua. There we go. I couldn't say his name there. Uh, 82 targets. He, he's had 82 targets, which is almost double of what, uh, what CeeDee Lamb has had so far uh, this year, albeit one less game, whatnot. But to me, that's, that's, you know, I think that's a, a very important aspect of the game. I feel like you got to get your number one receiver in, in the ball in his hands more. He's very dynamic. Tony alluded to that monster game he had with uh, seven catches over 100 yards. He, You know, he's, he's our dynamic playmaker. You know, you know, the run game has been, you know, 3.9 yards per carry. You know, so that's, you know, that's not exactly going to light up the scoreboard. I do want to see more CD Lamb touches. And, you know, that, that game last week where Gallup, I think Gallup caught three of 10 passes. That you know, you know seven seven incompletions uh, for uh, for you know for for Dak's tally out of I think he had nine the entire game. So the majority of his of his incompletions were in Michael Gallup's direction. So there, there's a there's a there's a remedy to that, and that's get the ball in the guy who complete you know who you who you completed 81 percent of the time to, and that's Ceedee Lamb. Let him let him do his thing. I, you know I know you know the the Rams still have a halfway decent defense. So Witherspoon's a quality corner. He's got two picks this year. But I think I think this could be a, a monster game for Ceedee Lamb, where he just he just lights up that defense, and and I and I, I expect bigger things from Ceedee Lamb, and I feel like Dak is going to start targeting him more. So for me, that's what I want to see uh, coming out of the bye week.
1: Tony, it feels like we've been saying for years now across different alpha wide receivers for the Cowboys, treat him like Devonte Adams, treat him like Cooper Cup, just four, give him twelve, thirteen, fourteen targets a game. Um, there is an argument obviously to spreading the love and spreading the wealth, but at the end of the day, your most dynamic playmaker is your most dynamic playmaker.
4: Yeah, I, I alluded to to manufacturing touches, and I do want to see the ball get spread out just because I want to have defenses honest, right? But at the same time, I'm I'm of the mind. I know that uh, Dak Prescott used to tell like Des Bryant and these other guys, like, I'm gonna throw the open guy, I'm not gonna force feed the football, but CeeDee Lamb. You know deserves that I think in my opinion and for you know I've already mentioned it I think twice now for Michael Gallup to get almost double digit targets and you know to see CD lamb catch seven of his seven targets like I feel like another three should be the bare minimum right my man should get like 10 10 a game so I think when you got a playmaker like that and obviously when he's catching every single ball and He's making great plays and he's acrobatic. It's almost like a heat check in, in like basketball, like go out there and just, you know, give him another shot. Like he might come down with it. Like there, there's something about that. So um, there's rare talent. And that's something I've always had a knock, a, a knock on deck is like feed your playmakers. Like, I think it's great that we want to feed Cedric Wilson. I think that's awesome, but feed your guys. Do you know what I mean? Those man, are the type Cedric of people Wilson that put, straight put, put the bread man. on the Jeez, table. Let's go and make it.
1: What it said do to you.
4: Listen, I like Sed. Yeah, you know, I miss Sed. You know, Sed's a good, a good player.
1: Wow, Sed was a really noble dude. Gave up number eleven so Micah Parsons could have it, and you're just out here dragging his name through the mud, Tony. Do you feel? Are you you feel taller standing on Cedric Wilson?
4: I never feel taller. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Uh, let's see here. By the way, uh, Kevin says uh, if C.D. asks for the ball one more time, Dallas may trade him for a fifth round pick. Um, that. Oof. It's really funny. Um, and I wish that that weren't so funny. Uh, Howman, do you want to see CD Lamb more involved? I, I tweeted this and I wrote about it. CD asked for the ball more against the Chargers and he got it and he delivered. That is so cool to me. Like for, for you to be able to like dial up your number and live up to it. Devonte Adams is awesome and I don't mean to use this against him necessarily but Devontae Adams made, made a proper stink about wanting the ball more had a touchdown land in his hands in Chicago last week and completely and totally dropped it which was just a tough scene I mean nobody's doubting Devontae Adams but it's a badass thing when you can live up to it the way C.D. Lamb did happen.
3: yeah it's definitely like especially with the week prior not only talking about wanting the ball more but like everyone was talking about him on the sidelines and and everything and And he comes in and and they throw it to him. He catches every single pass. Like, that's exactly what you want to see from a guy like that. Um, I I think, like, the the discussion about, like, feeding him more, you can get into kind of a a tricky situation where then you're only looking his way. You're not going to use any of the other guys. And I think that's kind of what Dak Prescott's approach has always been, is, like, he he doesn't want to just throw to a guy just because of who it is that he's throwing to He wants to throw to someone because – because they're opener, because they can go and get go ahead and get the ball, and you know, obviously, on some level, you do want to feed your best player, but you don't want to just be over reliant on that. And so, I, I think right now, like, they're they're really in a good spot with how much they're using him. Um, I mean, I've said I'd like to see more shots down the field with with Gallup, with Brandon Cooks, Kevante Turpin. Um, I, I'm down for deep shots to Ceedee Lamb. Like, like, if that's part of the how they feed him more, but um you know part of the thing too is like the more you feed him the more it's going to open things up for the other receivers too so I don't want them to just just throw to him just to get his targets to hit a certain number like it'll become kind of the new thing of getting your running back like 20 carries and you hit that auto win like getting him 10 targets every game is not just going to suddenly make the offense just really click and and everything's going to be perfect so I want him to be smart about it I'm happy with how much he's getting the ball and he's totally doing what he's supposed to do when he when he gets the ball thrown to him. By the way, he's catching 81% of his passes among like qualifying receivers like in, in terms of targets on the year. That's second best in the NFL among all receivers. Like He is having a great year. So should he see the ball a little bit more? Yeah, but I don't want it to just be on a stupid level where they're just throwing it to him just because.
1: Mm-hmm. That's really well said. Um, okay. Who do we want to see the Cowboys force feed that isn't CeeDee Lamb? Tony. Just one answer. One name. Brandon Cooks. Okay, Halman. No, I'm sorry, Brandon.
2: Jake Ferguson.
1: Okay, Hellman, Also Jake Ferguson. I think that was the best answer. So, Tony. Nat. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, Halman, uh, you're up next. What do you want to see from the Cowboys coming out of the bye?
3: Um, it's another thing on offense, and really just in general with Mike McCarthy, is more aggression. Um, that, that's something that had kind of been a thing with McCarthy, where he wasn't afraid to go for it on fourth down when it was in the right spot where it's it's something where, you know, the down and distance where they are in the field, the, the situation, the game, um, it made sense. And for the most part, he was willing to go for it. And, and generally the Cowboys under McCarthy have been very good in their fourth down go for it rate, which kind of measures when they how often they go for it in situations where they should go for it. And so far this year, they're their 20th in total fourth down attempts, their 22nd in optimal fourth down go rate. So basically there's a whole lot of fourth downs where they should have gone for it and they've either punted or they've kicked the field goal. And the, the, that level of aggression is just not there. And I don't know if it's necessarily, maybe it's some of, you know, he's so focused on play calling that he's not spending as much time thinking about, should he be going forward on fourth down in this situation? Um, obviously they have gone forward on fourth down a couple of times. Some of them they've gotten, some of, the, some of them they haven't with the push against the chargers um, but I, I just think in general like that, that was such for me when McCarthy got hired was such a big appeal. The fact that he was already an aggressive coach and then coming in, talking about analytics and wanting to try to win on the margins and, and having a good fourth down go rate is like one of the best ways to win on the margins. And um, I, I just feel like that's fallen off this year. And that's something I want to see the, the coaching staff kind of all, all encompassing, just have a more commitment to coming out of this by.
1: Um Tony, I'm I'm working on, on framing a question, so I need your thoughts on being aggressive. And if you're a fan of it, please.
4: Yeah, I think aggressiveness works. I mean, I think we've seen too much passive, like in and, and not in the you know, throwing the ball sense. Like it's just been very deliberate, very tempered I I I do think that we have the horses in the stable and the quarterback that can get us and to be able to push the ball and be a little bit more aggressive and I I I think Dak Prescott when everybody that whole you know I'm not going to throw a ton or I'm not going to throw 10 interceptions whatever that misquote there was with Dak was something said because he knew how Mike McCarthy was going to lay this offense out right it's going to be three steps get the ball out timing And it's in its dink and dunk, which you know serves a purpose at some point, and that's kind of what the West Coast is. But you have the guys to go out and be aggressive, and I think it's going to dictate and it's going to need to happen at some point. So, with that being said, I would, you know, it has to come, and I think we saw it a little bit against Los Angeles. Like, if Michael Gallup catches that ball down the middle. For the touchdown, that's it. We're talking about this in an entirely different light, right? Like, there's if Tony Pollard catches or Dak throws it a little bit better, Dak
1: sucks. To, Tony yeah,
4: <laughs> if those two hit, we're talking about an entirely different game and an entirely different offensive production. I mean, Dak's over 300 yards, he's got three touchdown passes, you know, plus the run, he's got four. He's probably NFC player of the week. Like, there's a whole different dynamic just based on two different plays there.
1: Uh, Casey says that Mike McCarthy's aggression has been absolutely not present this year. This is the most conservative I've ever seen him coach. Um, again, the end of the first half against the Chargers was really embarrassing. Um, I don't know that there's anything that needs to be said beyond that. Um, this is what I was kind of working on, so this is our, our next kind of bonus round. It may be worth 10 points, maybe worth a thousand points. I don't know, uh, but we're going to start with you, Brandon. Uh, Mike McCarthy has one of my all time favorite quotes, incidentally. I, I do think he's a really charming person. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Uh, but he was quoted, I think, two years ago by saying, or in saying, that defense wins championships, but the Super Bowl is won by the quarterback. I love that line. That is such a cool line. Um, and it sounded really cool when Mike McCarthy said it. There's no question that for most NFL teams, um, everything kind of lives and dies with the play of the quarterback, right? Like the Kansas city chiefs, everything lives and dies with the fate of, you know, how Patrick Mahomes plays on and on and on and on. Um, so true or false, the fate of the Cowboys this season rests more on Mike McCarthy than it does on Dak Prescott. And I think that, you know, the, I've been kind of baking this take as we've been conversing here, because you have all, you know, had problems and things you want to see all ultimately kind of go back to Mike McCarthy, not necessarily Dak Prescott. I mean, that, that can only do so much even as the team's quarterback, and so for the first time in a long time, at least I personally, my my answer would be true. For the first time in a long time, I think the fate of the Cowboys rests more with the head coach or offensive play call than it does the quarterback, maybe since prior to the Tony Romo era beginning. Brandon.
2: Yeah, I I actually, you know, I agree with you on that. I, you know, I, I, you know me, I'm a, I'm a Dak guy. I, I put up those 5,040 touchdown crazy numbers early this year, which, you know, that's not, that's not looking as hot right now because of the sound <laughs> offense. So, you know, for me, you know, it comes down to Mike McCarthy. I feel like, We've already, we, we already beat the dead horse with the, the eight seconds on Monday night football. That's so, like the conservativeness, like the whole, that whole package is a little ridiculous. I want to see him this let, you know, as Tony said, you know, they got the horses in the barn, let those horses out of the barn and just play like that Prescott. I feel like he, he's a, you know, he's a franchise quarterback. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I feel like in many ways, you know, we, you know, I don't know, you know, I haven't seen it or heard anything about it, you know, personally, but, I feel like Dak Prescott, you know, I think, I feel like he's handcuffed by the way Mike McCarthy calls games sometimes. And I feel like, I feel like, you know, McCarthy should just trust Dak a little bit more, let Dak do what he does. And, you know, we, you know, when, when he can use his legs, for example, I think that's, a, I think that's a part, of, you know, part of the game that I, I do want to see more, obviously, you know, you know, cautiously, because we obviously had the injury just a couple of years back, but I, I feel like Mike McCarthy, you know, this, this whole, you know, yes, he's had 12 and 5, 12 and 5, which obviously is great. You know, you guys, you guys know me. I, I'm I'm the firm believer. If, if you can't get past the divisional round with this roster, you know, I, I could still be in the minority, which is fine. I think, you know, I think it's time to maybe start looking around. I just, that that's just my take on it. You know, 12 and 5 is great, but 12 and 5 doesn't win you championships. You have to, you have to go deep in the playoffs. And, and we haven't seen that from Mike McCarthy, this version of him with the Cowboys. Obviously we saw, you know, he was a, you know, a super winning coach with the Packers and, you know, some people could debate it however they want with Aaron Rodgers and, and that, that whole situation. But nonetheless, he's a super winning coach. We just haven't seen that yet. And I feel like, I feel like he needs to crank it up. He needs to be more aggressive and just let Dak do Dak. And, and to, to Hallman's point also, you know, on those fourth downs, like let's, let's be a little more aggressive on those. I feel like he, he needs to be, aggressive but at the same time he needs to also you know be mindful of where those fourth downs are so maybe the, be better with his situational awareness on those fourth downs because sometimes i've seen him go on go on fourth down where i'm like what the heck are we doing here i feel like it's just it's just a giveaway so yeah Dak, Dak prescott is the quarterback of the dallas cowboys obviously that you know he's the you know he's he's one of the, you know he's one of the faces of the nfl and you know some of it does rest on him because he is the quarterback he is out there but at the end of the day you're only as good as, you know, your, your coaches, you know, your coaches play call sheet. And, and last time I checked, Mike McCarthy's the offensive coordinator, you know, as well. So he's calling the plays. I know, I know Schottenheimer's offensive coordinator in name, but Mike McCarthy is calling the plays. So for me that that play sheet is hamstringing Dak Prescott's ability to potentially get this team to a
1: Bowl. Tony, you helped me kind of land here. So thank you for that. Um, Do you agree that the fate of the Cowboys is, is connected more to what Mike McCarthy does, does not do, how he does or does not limit or hinder Dak or do you believe that you know as the quarterback as the executor that Dak has you know the fate resting on him just simply because he is the person who carries out the code red or whatever it may wind up being
4: you know just to be clear I'm I'm not in the camp of like talking negatively about Mike McCarthy I think he is a good coach I think he has the ability to to try to change the narrative of what this offense is looking at, but if you if you want to talk about directly who's that who can be at fault here and who has the bigger impact, I think the the proof is already in the pudding that it is Mike McCarthy, right? Because by every metric, this offense is supposed to be better. They got Brandon Cooks, the wide receiver group is better. CeeDee Lamb is another year in his prime, right? Jake Ferguson, by every advanced metric, is is playing better football than than don schultz did last year and in, in the year prior right the offensive line for the first time in two seasons is, is a complete unit. i know that's going to come in, ever in the tyler smith era right. like that's to be, insane yeah right. right so then you got tony Pollard and everybody who thought ezekiel elliott was this anchor around our neck is gone so every step of the way this offense is supposed to be better including the fact that dak prescott was Going to be better about his turnovers, which he has been, right? This offense is lent to that. So, why are we better in every metric in people's minds, but the stats and the numbers don't prove it, right? So, that goes back to the play caller where everybody wanted to blame Kellamore and Kellamore did this and Kellamore didn't do that. It's now we're sitting in a situation where why are we better? Why are we thinking about it like this, but why are we actually worse? So to me, yes, ultimately Dak's going to be the one that's going to pull the trigger out there, and he's going to be on the field, and he's going to have to bear that cross, whatever the case may be. But I think we all understand if you really look at it closely, it's Mike McCarthy's really the one that's uh, in the crosshairs here.
1: Hellman, you and I have, I think, defended, no disrespect to you, Tony, defended Mike more than most. Um, or maybe the best way to put it is we've been the most patient with him. Um, I think people have been really quick. Uh, to jump on the easy narratives Um, and right now they're they're taking their victory laps and it's kind of hard not to fault them especially coming off of the Monday night game and the cowardice at the end of the first half I know we talked about that last week but uh, your thoughts on this true or false proposition remember bonus points at stake
3: well I, I think it's it's funny that Tony's talking about how like the offense is worse than it was last year but like statistically they're as good if not better I mean their DVOA numbers on offense are at the same in the same area that Kellen Moore's offense was last year, right now they're 11th in EPA per play, which was way higher than it was last year, even when, when Dak Prescott was playing. So, like, there's a whole lot of numbers you can point to where they're not doing well. The run game has been terrible. The red zone has been troubling, but there's a whole lot of other numbers you can point to that are very positive, that are you know either good or very clearly better than they were last year. So it's, to me, it's been a mixed bag with this offense so far. Part of that is there's been a whole lot of, of really weird games where it's either they're they're blowing teams out and so they're just kind of killing the clock or they're playing from behind and they're just trying to play catch up. Um, as far as the question though, I do agree that it rests more on Mike McCarthy, mostly just because Dak Prescott is the face of this franchise. Like I, I'm, I don't think he's going anywhere. Everything that we've heard from from Jerry and Stephen Jones, like they're sold on him. They're not. They're not going to change their mind on Dak Prescott. They're not going to going to come off of this season thinking like, you know, oh, it didn't it didn't go well. That's Dak Prescott's fault, and we need to look at a different quarterback. Um, and, and I don't necessarily think that they could change their mind on Mike McCarthy after this year, but it definitely rests a lot more on him because he's in charge of the offense now in addition to being the head coach. And, you know, he, he came in and he kind of really changed the, the, the uh, mindset of this team, the mentality, the way that they prepare – and the, the wins have followed very clearly, you know, two, two straight 12-win seasons. But now with him taking over the offense, it's, it's really his team in, in the most sense that it's been since he took over. And I remember saying, like, prior to the season on one of these roundtables, one of my biggest concerns is that all of the things that he's done well for this team as the head coach may be diminished because he's now also got play calling on his plate. And I'm, I don't know if that's necessarily been the case if that's why he's less aggressive, if that's why certain other things have have kind of slipped through the cracks and you know, details wise. I don't know if that necessarily is the case. I can't prove that. but you know six weeks or six games in and, and you're seeing some things both on offense where they're not getting Brandon Cooks involved down the field. They're, they're not targeting their tight ends as much as they necessarily should be. The run game has been a disaster. And then also they're not going for it when they normally would be. The, the clock management there at the end of that first half is is kind of suspect. And so um, I don't know if it's necessarily like he's he's saying in his mind, well, I re- really need to focus on the offense because I took this up on myself and I have to prove everyone that doubted me wrong. I have to prove that I made a right decision in doing this. But then the other stuff is kind of fallen by the wayside. And that's, that's where I think – the way that they respond these next couple of weeks coming out of this by where they've had a chance to self scout, that's going to be huge because if we keep seeing the same issues and you know, if the red zone isn't fixed, if, if the run game doesn't improve significantly, uh, if if the clock management stuff still is in an issue, then you can really point to it and say, well, the, the big common denominator here was now he's calling plays. He's got a lot more on his plate and other things have fallen by the wayside. So it's a lot easier to put this all on Mike McCarthy because he put it all on himself. And if this is the result that we get for the full year, as opposed to just a very small sample size of games, then it, it will be a problem and it will be hard to justify that.
1: Yeah. Uh, in many ways, Mike McCarthy is Katniss Everdeen. Volunteered, is here. It is the Hunger Games. Like, only one can win um, unless PETA is involved. Right? His name is PETA, I think? PETA. Um Yeah. Yeah, Thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Tony, have you read that? I know you haven't seen anything, but have you read The Hunger Games?
4: No, but I've seen bits and pieces of the movie.
1: (laughs) Were you aware that uh, PETA was uh, the love interest name?
4: I thought you were talking about the bread for a second.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Nice, Tony. (laughs) Um,
1: This pains me, especially after that, but uh, the winner of this particular round was Tony, who received 10 bonus points. Uh, Halman, I think your point was strong, uh, but I I think that Tony got that a little bit you know, a little bit more succinctly uh, and a little, with a little bit more like negativity, which is what I was aiming for here. Like I really wanted you know, somebody to kind of go at somebody. You were really calm and reasonable. And so um, we needed some aggression here uh, for this particular answer. Uh, but final standings going into the final portion here. Brandon Hellman tied at 69 points apiece. Tony, your bonus took you to 75. Tony, take us home. What do you want to see from the Cowboys coming out of the bye? Last one here.
4: Yeah, I had some I had some really specific things that I written down, but I want to end it with this. And it's kind of more open-ended and a little bit more wide open. And I can sum it up in one word. I just want consistency. Like I just want more consistency. I we talked about the ebbs and the flows. The first real game I felt like of this season was last Monday, right? When we played the Chargers, there was a real fight you know, it was a real game. We didn't get our doors blown down by the 49ers. We didn't crush the, you know, everybody else. Like it just felt like for the first time we had seen like what this team can look like in a road environment, which, you know, call that, you know, we'll do an asterisk with the charges being a road environment, but you know, you know, primetime setting with a, with a quarterback, the many of you to be a top tier quarterback. um, and And they overcame, right. But I want to see that more, right. I don't want to have a letdown against the Rams this week where, you know, you you, you come in here and you're dejected because you don't know what to make of this team. Right. We're four and two with two losses that have you really scratching your head now, especially with the 49ers and the way they played the last two weeks. I don't think that anybody's going to sit here and say we're that bad. Right. The Cowboys are as bad as they played against the 49ers and that's who they are. But. That's what's on your resume. I just need to see more consistency offensively. I need to see this defense to step up and be more consistent. And I don't say that to say like they're playing bad, but you know, they, they have some scars of themselves on their own, right? So there are some things that this whole team got to work through. There's plenty of time to figure it out. We had talked about it a couple of segments ago that this four game stretch is super important. They got to find their level here. Water, you know, water going to find this level. And if this team is what we think they are, I mean, all week we spent people talking about Detroit's better. And, you know, the Cowboys are now the fourth or the fifth best team in the NFC. And they can't be trusted. And everybody feels, you know, they're giving Jalen Hurts a pass. And they're giving Brock Purdy a pass. And, and all these guys but none of it really matters right just go find the consistency go play good football and at the end of the year we'll see how it shakes out
1: yeah brandon kind of tony's point and we haven't really talked about this but um i think every cowboys fan respects micah parsons asking for a spade to be called a spade um but um micah whether he's doing it purposefully or not is narrowing the target on the cowboys back for the moment that they do slip i mean the the moment the cowboys have a slip up everything that Micah Parsons has said, which again is fair and, and objectively based is going to lead to, you know, the, the teardown of all teardowns. Um, and to Tony's point, if it happens against the Rams, I mean, he's setting, I, I don't want to say that Micah's setting them up, but they're set up um, to, to just kind of be, Public scrutiny, you know what I mean. Like they, they are set up to kind of be the face of dysfunction, and, and no one will care that the Niners lost to the Vikings or the Browns with PJ Walker or the Eagles, you know, lost to the Jets. It will just be all about the Cowboys, and that's the way it will be. But it will be frustrating for all of us, Brandon.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you know, Micah Micah does make really good points, but sometimes I feel like he does insert his foot into his mouth, of, you know, by saying some things. And you know, I I respect his candor. I respect him doing the show every. You know, he does it every Monday. So I do respect that he's out there doing these type of things. I mean, everybody's got a podcast these days. That's just kind of the way of the world. But yeah, I mean, to Tony's point, on my list here, on my list here, I wrote consistency, consistency, consistency. Not once, but three times, because my my thought was they're they've got, they've blown out three teams, but they've laid two eggs. That was one of my points. But the mo, you know my most important takeaway for this you know coming up for this bye week, is they got to shore up the mental mistakes. That is really where it comes down to, right? You know, you know, coming into the bye week through six weeks of the season, the Cowboys led the league in penalties when they tallied 46 flags for 357 yards. That, that is not championship winning football. These mental mistakes need to be shored up and and the bye week is a perfect time to reset, get yourself refocused and and clean up some of those mental errors. I know they're going to get penalized. That's everybody, every team gets penalized. But if they can minimize that, the effect, Eagles
1: literally did not get penalized on Sunday Night Football. Just to be very clear, Brandon. Right?
2: Well, yeah, they yeah they had a, <laughs> a rep that was like sixty miles away, or you know, from from the area. Yeah, but just that, that's just, the- just
1: saying, like it, it's possible apparently uh, for you for one team to be penalized ten times and for you to be penalized none. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it's no, it's true. I mean, mo- I mean, most teams throughout the season they're gonna they're gonna get penalized, and, and the Cowboys have been the best at it, which is not really the that's not really the best. You don't want to be the best at doing something. When it comes to you know setting your team back behind the eight ball a little bit, so for me, you know, when it comes to the end of the day, we have to be uh, you know do we have to clean this up in the postseason? So we're going to get to the postseason. I'm pretty confident in that. But if you want to get past that proverbial divisional round, you have to clean these things up. We have a lot of season left. We have a lot of regular season, and then we have postseason. You know, after that, so they have to clean up these penalties. And, and coming out of a bye week, let's let's hope they clean these these things up. And we don't have a situation where these penalties come back to bite us in the rear end and the Rams uh, somehow sneak out, a, a sneak out with a win on Sunday.
1: Hamlin, do you agree that consistency is kind of the ultimate end all be all for who the Cowboys are right now and who they've been for a very long time?
3: Yeah, it, it would be really nice to see some consistency um, that that would definitely be welcome. Um, as we were talking about like Micah Parsons and all the things that he's saying, and like, I completely agree with everything that he says and he makes really good points, but also, You know, probably the the thing I really want to see coming out of the bye is like just be quiet, like move in silence. Just like show up and do your work. Like, like even with the 49ers game, there was so much talk. And I'm not talking about just Micah Parsons now, by the way. I like all the different players who who like to talk and like hype up the the different uh, the different games. I I just feel like there's certain games that they really get up for. Like and, and we thought that the 49ers game was gonna be one of those, but like they get they really get up for some games especially divisional rival games, but then they'll face like the Cardinals or the, the Broncos a couple years ago. And it's like, they're not really excited about it. Like I, I want the team that just shows up and they're like, yeah, this like Sunday is work. Like we're here to just dominate you. We're going to go out there and we're just going to do our job. I don't want them to necessarily have to go to the media and like hype themselves up by hyping everyone else up. And that, that kind of falls in line with the consistency and you don't necessarily need to be, you know, need to avoid the media at all costs in order to be consistent, but just have that same kind of of mindset. And and that's, that's kind of a similar mindset that Mike McCarthy has. He's not really one to, to like make big, bold proclamations and like probably his, his spiciest comment that he's had since coming to Dallas was the, you know, we're nobody's underdog thing. Um, he, he's not really, you know, compared to like a Nick Sirianni, he's not going to, you know, get, go viral for his interview comments and, um i I just i want the team to just kind of show up and say like yeah we're here to beat the rams that's all we're really focused on and and if you can have that kind of approach that that gets you a certain level of consistency if you do it every single week and and you know with with some of the opponents like we talked about earlier like that they have later in the season the bills the dolphins the lions like you're gonna need to be able to be consistent because even though you may not win all of those you know you can if you take a loss and it's bad, like you, you still have that same consistent approach of, all right, well, that was bad, but also it's one game. Like we get right back on it and we're going to go back to work and we got these other teams to beat. We can't get too down on ourselves. So it, it would really be nice to see that. I don't know if like a huge, that huge of like a mentality shift can happen in the bye week but if they come out and they're just like laser focused and, and they play consistent, they don't have as many of the mental mistakes. That would be a very welcome change.
1: Um, Mike McCarthy's where nobody's underdog line famously said the week leading up to them playing the Los Angeles Rams which is who they're playing this week so a nice little full circle moment there for you Helman in fact I'm going to give you one extra point uh, for that Uh, so well done uh, on the poetry there the final points are in they're all tallied and Helman even though you picked up that last point at the very end it was not enough brandon 74 howman broke the tie sent you straight down to bronze uh tony catalina he called his shot boys look at him he came in he was last not his typical starting position doesn't matter tony yeah you had the red Sox, but the real thing that you win in life has nothing to do with your professional sports teams and your fandom it's the blog on the boys roundtables congratulations to you
4: Thank you, and I'm very glad I won because I did not want to be disrespectful towards the Astros, so I appreciate the win. Wow, uh, what the hell, Tony? <laughs> I had it. See, you know what? Nah,
1: nah. It was like, it's cool. like the Kanye nah, West nah, nah, thing.
4: Nah, nah. I we're, guess we're, we'll never know. Nah. <laughs> nah.
1: I'm sorry, Tony. This was this was too much. Um, you played with fate, and I'm sorry. You flew way too close to the sun. There have been some last-second oh, points man. tabulated, um, and Brandon and Halman. Are tonight's roundtable winners. <laughs> Congratulations to the two of you. Very well earned. Uh, Brandon, what did you have to say? Uh, this totally fair process. It was a tremendous
2: process. It was very democratic. <laughs> it was uh, it was well done. RJ, you did a hell of a job by putting this together. You know, I'm sorry about your Astros. That's it's a very tough go. I can't say much because my Red Sox, you know, they weren't even in the conversation this year. So I'm just sitting back watching baseball as a casual fan at this point. So. You know, I, I've been there before, so I, I do
1: feel bad.
4: <laughs> you said the a word. You got to get rid of a point now. Um,
1: <laughs> wow! Um, look, I'm I'm all up in my feels. You know what? I'm I'm just gonna stick to stick to what's what. I hate to be yanking emotions around, telling you you can have this thing. All right? <laughs> this is, this what a of so an emotion, man! <laughs> uh, this is just you know. That Cowboys hey, football season. Oh, uh, <laughs> whatever. Howman? Do you have anything to say? You won, or you lost, but then you won, then you lost again. All before you even spoke.
3: Yeah. I, I'm still counting this as a win. I, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm I'm over here. Like I was like trying to change my background real quick before you changed your mind.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was honestly, um, thinking about that. That was a tough, tough scene. <laughs> then um, I should
2: have won that. Cause I got all the love. To, I didn't give any, uh, you know, bad voodoo to the uh, Astros. So I guess by that proxy, I probably should have won. Right.
1: Tony, Lonely Catman says it was worth it to lose it last minute and stick it to RJ. Would you have felt that way if I hadn't given it back to you?
4: I think that was my sentiment, yeah. (laughs) Okay.
1: You know what? Everyone won, really. Everyone Everyone won tonight, except for Mike McCarthy. This was a tough episode for Mike McCarthy. So hopefully, Mike has something in store on Sunday uh, that makes us all feel better. So um, I guess let's leave. Tony, I would like you, even though you won, as we depart to. Sing us the song that Katniss sang to Rue in The Hunger Games, please.
4: I never saw the movie, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's go ahead. What do you think the song was? Let's just sing what sing, sing what you think it was.
4: Uh, I couldn't even... I don't even think I have the wildest imagination to well, come, come on, up Tony. With. Come on. Words, let's do it. The, the words you said to me don't even sound like the English language. <laughs> Her name is Katniss, Katnip, and like pita bread. Like, I don't even know who these people Katniss are. Katniss Everding.
1: Sang it to Rue. What do you think the song sounds like? Just come on, Tony. Just it's do a it Roo,
4: so she's making something. Okay, what do you think the song what? sounded like? Give us something. Come on, come I don't on. Know. I mean, what is it? There's probably some trumpets, right? You guys like the medieval stuff, right? There's probably something going on. Tony. <laughs> I have no let, let, let Homer <laughs> sing, and he knows the words. Sing no, along this is your know thing, Tony. Just
1: give, wrong, give us a little Tony. melody at the very least, Tony. Come on.
4: But I can't even conceptualize what you would want me to make. You sure can do this, like.
1: Tony. Come on, you can do it. Come on, Tony. Give us a melody, and you don't have to sing it, but just hum, hum it. Come on. Mm. <laughs>